Hello, I'm Wadong Daniela and you're listening to Honey with a Knife. So today I actually have a very, very different but interesting episode. Today I'll be focusing on the case of the state of California versus the Menendez brothers. So in case you have not heard of this case, you are in for something so exciting but at the same time so gruesome and brutal and I do I do warn you that it will be a bit graphic so in case that is not your style please do feel free not to listen to this but it is very interesting and it is a case that sparked an outcry in the United States and it actually split America into two sides trying to decide whether these two brothers were killers or victims and to think that it all started with a 911 phone call is actually quite bizarre to me that's what sparked the outcry in the US a simple 911 phone call so in this episode i'll be discussing the case of the state of california versus the menendez brothers but i'll be giving you a background as to what really happened in the beginning so that you can understand the rest of it so be sure to listen to the entire episode as well as part 2 in order to get a full story Jose Menendez was born in 1944 in Havana, Cuba and Jose was part of a family that set very high expectations from the time he was young his father was a former soccer star and his mother was a former swim champion so he had such high expectations for whose shoes to fill however if you remember the story of fidel castro it was around 1960 that he did take over the political power and the military in cuba And since it was unsafe, Jose's parents decided to send him to the United States to live with his cousin. So when he moves to the United States, he's living in his cousin's attic. But it's still a bit normal for him because he still has his sports, he still has his swimming. And in fact, he managed to get a scholarship to the University of Southern Illinois because of his swimming. And it was in 1962 when Jose met Mary Louise Anderson who went by the name Kitty Jose met Kitty in 1962 Kitty was born in 1941 and she grew up in Chicago and she was also a former beauty pageant queen so you must imagine she was quite attractive and so they hit it off and they started dating now when Kitty was done with school in 1963 and Kitty graduated Jose decided that he was done with school too and they eloped to New York City. However, when they got to New York City and things were a bit tough, Kitty became a teacher for some time and Jose enrolled to become a dishwasher. And that was when they had their first child, Lyle Joseph Menendez, Lyle for short, on July 10th of 1968. And around this time, Kitty quit her job because she wanted to be a better mom, a stay-at-home mom and take care of Lyle. So she did quit her job and later the family moved to New Jersey Blackwell, which is an unincorporated community in New Jersey. This was because they were starting to find life in New York City a bit trying. 
and it was in New Jersey where they had their second son, Eric Gerland Menendez, in November 27th of 1977. Now, around this time, Jose was doing accounting. He was doing business, but he decided that he wanted to make a major shift to the music industry, which is which are two very, very different paths if you look at it. Very strange, it was very abrupt, but he did want to move into the music industry. And you cannot blame him at this point because it was a multi-million dollar industry and he wanted to be a part of it. And that was good because if you look, by the 1980s, he was a top executive at RCA Records. RCA Records was a very famous record company at the time, and his most famous, he had a very big clientele, but his most famous, the people that he signed that were the most famous, were Duran Duran, which is sort of like one direction of the 1980s, so it it was a big deal for Jose. Now the family is making more and more money, and they decide to move to a million dollar estate in Princeton, New Jersey. Now, at this time, Jose enrolls the boys, Eric and Lyle, into Princeton Day. Princeton Day was a very prestigious and top-ranking school for little kids. And so it just shows that by the time the boys were able to walk, by the time they were able to talk, they had high expectations set for them, just like Jose had high expectations set for him. And these boys were doing quite great in school. However, not as great as you would expect them to have been doing. They were average, if I should say. They weren't terrible. They weren't amazing. They were just lying in between. They were average. However, they were not average at tennis. They were exceptional tennis players, especially Eric. Eric was a very, very invested tennis player, and he was very good at it. Now, around this time again... Jose decided that he was tired of the music industry and he wanted to switch to the movie industry. So where do you go if you want to get into the movie industry? You go to Hollywood. So the family pucks up and they head to California. Now, when they get to California, Jose decides to make a very risque move. It's very dangerous, it's very unplanned, but he goes ahead with it. So he joins Live Entertainment. Now, at the time, Live Entertainment was a struggling company. They were struggling to make profits. They were struggling to just simply get by without shutting down. So it was very risky, if you look at it. It was so strange, and Kitty did not understand why he did that. But we're forgetting that Jose had done business before and accounting, and so he sort of knew his way in this line of work. Now, Jose actually did something which was a little bit unimaginable for me. That year, after a whole year of working with live entertainment, Jose increased the company's profits by $8 million. And then the next year, he doubled that. He increased the company's profits by $16 million. And of course, he was named CEO. Now, it may seem like Jose had this amazing work ethic, like he was doing everything right and everyone loved him, but that was not the case. The people above him that were making money off of him, they loved him, of course, because of his work ethic. 
However, anyone that worked under Jose despised him. They loathed him for his sort of mindset when it came to the workplace because Jose wanted money and he was ready to do anything to get that money. And that is the attitude which we later see he instilled in the boys. Do anything to get money, to get what you want. Don't care about the sort of consequences that come with it. And at work, Jose had several affairs with the ladies in his company, but Kitty seemed to turn a blind eye to all of this. She did not care at all. Now, one strange detail about Jose is that he was very ashamed of his Cuban heritage because at one point in time, he got a letter sent to him that was congratulating him uh, for being a very successful Hispanic businessman. And he was very offended. He did not want to be associated with Cuba at all. And he did not want the people that worked with him to associate him with Cuba or Havana or anything in relation to his heritage. But looking from the outside, from the outside looking in, this family, the Menendez family, looked like the perfect family. They lived in Calabasas, which I'm quite sure is where some of the Kardashians live. I'm not sure, but I think so. They lived in Calabasas, and everyone had such high expectations for this family, everyone, including Jose. He was obsessed with the family image, which might be the reason why he shamed Lyle for his physical appearance. Lyle started to go bald at the age of 14, and so he had to wear a hairpiece. And Jose shamed Lyle for that so many times throughout his childhood. Meanwhile, Eric was still thriving at tennis. He was actually ranked 44 in the under-18 category in the United States, which is quite a big deal. But even though the boys were trying to fulfill Jose's expectations, they felt like they were never good enough. And at some point, they started to act out. Now we know things are going down south from here. They started to rob houses. And not because they were poor. No, they had all the money that they wanted. But they started to get involved in these robberies because they wanted the thrill. They were bored with their lives and they wanted to do something. How interesting. They were bored, so they decided to rob houses. Now, the first time, they robbed uh, a house in Beverly Hills with a friend of theirs. So he had the combination to that safe, and so they robbed the house with him. They also robbed the second house with him because they were both enjoying the thrill of it, and he just wanted the money. And so the next house, the third house that they decided to rob, they were like, you know what, we're getting good at this, we don't need him, and they cut their friend out of the plan. But of course, he still knew they were going to rob a house. In this third house, they robbed goods worth $100,000. Now you can imagine, these are sons of a millionaire. They have all the money. Why are they robbing houses in the first place? And why not just find something better to do? But because they cut out their friend from this plan, he decided to rat them out to the cops, to the authorities. And then the authorities show up and uh, Eric and Lau are arrested. Now, the weirdest thing happened here, the weirdest indicator of Jose's character happened here. When Jose found out that the boys had been arrested, 
he was not disappointed. He was not angry. He was not, he was just, he was not disappointed. No, he was angry that the boys had been caught. So if they hadn't been caught, he would not have been concerned at all. That was what he was concerned about, the fact that the boys had been caught. And it's actually quoted that he he once said that, how dare you? You are like sheep that follow. How dare you get caught? You're supposed to be leaders of the flock, not sheep that follow. Which is quite strange to me. It's a very strange character indicator. Now, because these boys were at the authorities, of course, Jose tried to buy his way around it, but they still had to face some sort of consequences. Now, at the time, Lyle was supposed to be going to Princeton, so Eric took the fall. Eric did some community service, and he was also sent to the family therapist. Mark this name. The family therapist or psychologist was named Dr. L. Jerome Ozeal. Now, after all this and after all the chaos, the family decides to move to Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, very fancy place, very luxurious. The family does not move to any and any house in Beverly Hills. They move to a six million dollar mansion. Yes, six million dollars. Several bedrooms, a tennis court, a courtyard, a pool, every single thing that you would imagine in a Mediterranean style mansion on Elm Drive in Beverly Hills. Now, this house, again, was not a random house, just to emphasize that. So this family was really feeling themselves. There were several people, several famous people that had lived in the house before. People like Michael Jackson, people like Elton John, and even a Saudi prince. So the the Menendez family at this point is feeling themselves. They really have it all. They seem to have it all. Lyle had gotten into Princeton. But it was no fairy tale ending for him. He got caught in the first year for plagiarizing in his psychology class. Quite interesting. Now, Jose, being a CEO of Live Entertainment, he decided to give Lyle a job at Live Entertainment. But of course, if you have not instilled that work ethic in your son, it really does not matter if you're the CEO or if you're a dishwasher at this point. As long as he does not work with people well, he has no cooperation, he has no work ethic, no one is going to work with him. And so even though Jose was CEO, after some time, the people at Live Entertainment were disgusted with Lyle's behavior and Lyle was fired from Live Entertainment. So meanwhile, Eric is still in high school at the time. Eric is still playing tennis, and now he's also an actor. He has actually won very awards for very many awards for his acting. But Eric is also really into writing something which he does not share often, and he actually co-wrote a screenplay with his friend Craig. That screenplay being titled Friends, and no, it is not the friend that you know. Jose was disappointed and he was not interested in anything that the boys were doing. He felt that they weren't turning out the way that he wanted them to turn out and so he really did not care at all. And in fact, we have reason to believe that Jose might have had intentions to take the boys out of his will or maybe just to alter it in such a way that they would receive 
their money when they were a bit older and more responsible. And that is the tension that brings us to August 19th of 1989. So Jose and Kitty had charted a yacht, which was named the Motion Picture Marine, and they wanted to take the boys shark fishing in the Marina del Rey. So that day, the family, the entire Menendez family, the crew captain, the entire crew, and the captain's girlfriend, they all set up for this fishing trip and leave to the Marina del Rey. But this particular day, the crew says that they noticed something was off, something was not right with the family. They were just so disconnected. The boys didn't seem to want to sit on the same side of the boat with their parents. They didn't seem to want to talk. There was a certain disconnect there and the crew noticed it for sure. Now the next day was August the 20th and the Menendez family had a maid but since it was a Sunday uh, she was off. She was off of work so she was not around. So it was just them in their house alone. Now that night the boys decide to go see a movie and Kitty and Jose decide to stay at home and watch their own movie. Now they wanted to sit at home and watch their movie in the den. The den is like the back of the house. It's very dark and it's very cozy and Jose and Kitty were having vanilla ice cream and strawberries and they were just lounging around and enjoying their movie. Meanwhile at exactly 10 p.m., very suddenly, very unexpectedly, Eric and Lau burst through the door with guns. Now, Jose and Kitty, of course, they were very shocked. They did not understand why their sons were standing, pointing at them with guns. And the boys did not hesitate. They start shooting. Lau specifically did not hesitate. He shot his dad in the back of his head with a Mossberg 12 gauge shotgun. So you must imagine how much damage was done. Now the plan was for Eric to shoot his mother, but he was panicking, so Lyle ended up doing it, and he shot her in the leg at very close range, and it actually shattered her leg bone. And they continued to shoot. They really did not care. As brutal as it sounds, they did not care. They continued to shoot until they were out of ammunition. But Kitty was still alive, and she was lying on the floor, screaming for her life, and the two of them went outside to reload the guns. Now, when they got back, they continued shooting, and they actually shot her in her face, and that's what killed her. But that was not enough. Eric shot her twice just to make sure that she was really dead. Kitty was shot a total of 10 times in her leg, in her arm, her chest, and of course her face. She was completely unrecognizable. It was so brutal. Jose's death was brutal too. He was shot six times and he had a hole in the back of his head the size of a fist. That's how much damage a 12 Mossberg gauge shotgun can do. Now, because it was so close range, that was the size of that hole in the back of his head. The boys had unloaded a total of 15 rounds. But now they begin to think of the consequences of their actions. They begin to think, oh, the cops are going to come. So they decide to make it look like a mob hit. So they shot both their parents one more time in their knees, which is also a technique known as kneecapping, which mobs tend to do. So it really would have looked like a mob had stopped by and killed them. 
Now, after that, Jose was, Jose was 45 when Kitty was 47. That was the time when they died. Jose was 45 when he died and Kitty was 47. Then at 11.47 p.m., a call came into the 911 dispatch from Lyle. was that phone call, that single phone call that sparked an outcry across the United States in the case of the state of California versus the Menendez brothers. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to keep on the lookout for part two where I'll be discussing if the boys were actually arrested, did anyone know that they had murdered their parents, and the verdict that was made in court following all this trauma and all this brutality. So keep up for part two, keep up with Honey with a Knife, and thank you for joining me on this hopefully intriguing journey. Be sure to join me next time as I take a deeper look into the quotes and the things and the 911 phone calls that are shaping our future and our world today. I'm Odong Danella, and this has been Honey with a Knife.